Welcome back to the Seen and Not Heard podcast, the podcast that is your weekly dirty little secret, which is fine by me, as long as you keep it. I'm Melrose, your host, and this is season one, episode seven. Last week, I gave you a little teaser about how and why I left Illinois. I mentioned that I didn't tell almost anyone until my wedding day, and that not everyone took it very well. Before I get into my wedding day and the big reveal, I feel I should start back on the day I got engaged. So if you don't mind taking a small trip down memory lane, I'd like to walk you through my engagement because I am lucky enough to be able to tell you it was truly a fairy tale. My then boyfriend and I of two years were planning a trip to Nashville. I had never gone and I was really looking forward to experiencing it. I grew up listening to majorly country music, so this is a place that has always had a sense of magic for me. Where we were living in Chicago at the time, we had no plans on ever moving, at least not any immediate plans to be anywhere else. But we packed our bags kissed our pets goodbye, and hit the road for a long eight-hour drive south to Nashville. You have to remember, I'm a girl that has always been up for a good road trip. From the time I was really young and my parents had separated, my dad would drive down from Ohio every other weekend to take me back to Cincinnati and stay the weekend with him. That was 16 hours every other weekend in a car. So needless to say, I spent a lot of my youth on the road. Plus, I knew the company I had was going to make for an especially awesome road trip. I was excited, looking forward to seeing new things and wondering if the Nashville that I had built up in my head all these years was really going to meet my expectations. The entire way to Nashville, I noticed my boyfriend was constantly texting someone. I didn't think much about it, but then he said that he didn't know what our plans would be each day because there was something somewhat up in the air due to a surprise that he had planned. I immediately assume the surprise must have to do with who he's texting, and my mind starts racing. I'm the type of girl that loves to ruin her own surprises. It's not that I don't like being surprised, because I really do. I just also happen to make it really difficult for people to do so. Something about guessing the right answer, or Uncovering the mystery is also something I really happen to enjoy. So while we start driving, I see billboards on the side of the road that have otters on them. Yes, otters, like the furry, cute, cuddly river creatures. So I ask my boyfriend if he's taking me to go play with otters. (laughs) He laughs. He says, yes, that's exactly what we're doing. And I can't tell if he's sarcastic or trying to do the whole river psychology thing to me which is like the single worst form of torture at this point. So I give up on guessing. Eventually, we arrive in Nashville. We get into our Airbnb and get settled in. We were both really exhausted, so we got dinner at a sushi place around the corner and ended up just calling it a night. My boyfriend said that we had to be up really early in the morning, so we should get some rest. Morning couldn't come soon enough. We woke up at 5 a.m. and he immediately gets back on his phone. I ask him who he's messaging, out of curiosity, 
and he says, I'm texting the otter people. They've got to wake up the otters for us. I roll my eyes because now I know that he's just fucking with me. And I finish getting ready, throw on some makeup, grab a warm sweater, and we're out the door. We drive for quite a while, and I start to notice that the spaces around me seem to get opener. Larger fields and less and less residential or commercial buildings. It starts to seem strange, so I ask him if he's taking me to the farm to off me, and I assure him I don't have life insurance at the moment. He laughs, we pull into a parking lot by a church. I've never had a boy take me to a church on a date before. So he was right, it was a surprise. We get out of the car and start walking a while, cross a street and walk to an open field. Immediately upon reaching the field, I see a group of people unpacking what appears to be a hot air balloon. I immediately get overwhelmed with excitement. The one thing I have always wanted to do before I die is go up in a hot air balloon. I had only mentioned this maybe once or twice to my boyfriend, and it had always been in casual conversation, so I was surprised he was listening. One thing though you should know about my boyfriend was that he was not a fan of heights. So above all else, I certainly never thought that I'd be doing something like this with him. I guess that speaks to the true sacrifice he was willing to put forth for our relationship and for my happiness, specifically. In retrospect, I am really glad we didn't die that day because I would have felt a tremendous amount of guilt in my afterlife. As the group of people filled the hot air balloon, it all became a lot more real. I was going up in the sky, completely untethered, in a basket, with someone who meant the world to me, with absolutely no backup plan if something terrible was to happen. The voices in my head were at war. One telling me to enjoy the moment and indulge my free spirit, while the other screamed from fear and the possibility of the unknown. Despite all my basic survival instincts, we boarded the hot air balloon and started our ascent. The hot air balloon pilot took us upwards, allowing the hot air balloon basket to graze the tops of the trees and he encouraged me to grab a leaf from one. As we went higher, we crossed a highway, nearly stopping traffic. We saw a wild fox running, and we waved to people down below. As we continued to climb altitude, the pilot finally told us that we are exactly one mile high in the sky. The view was breathtaking. There wasn't any room in your mind or your heart to be afraid anymore because, at least for me, in the back of my head, this was the one thing I had to do before I died. So now, if and when that day comes, I feel ready. I think that speaks to the love my boyfriend had for me. He gave me something I wanted my entire life. He gave me an experience I had only daydreamed about. When things in my life got hard, or were bad and I needed an escape, I would close my eyes and pretend to be in a hot air balloon. It was like the safe mental place that shielded me from all of my anxieties. A place where nothing could touch me or hurt me and nothing else mattered. 
I picture it now kind of like someone's mind if they were in deep meditation. It was quiet for me. It was calm for me. And at times when the ground I stand on is often shifting, it is a place I could go to to survive anything. But being up there in real life is so much better than I had ever dreamt it to be. It was so much more. It felt like a sense of calm and happiness and contentment just drowned me. Every single cell of my being had felt it. It had been the single best gift anyone had ever given me. And I turned to look at him and he held a ring and said, marry me. I said yes and we kissed and my eyes watered and we began our descent back down to earth. After we had champagne and returned back to our car, I asked my now fiance if he had ever read any of my journals. He said that he hadn't and he was wondering why I was wondering that. I told him that on various occasions over the years, since I was really young, I had always said and written in my journal that the only way I would ever get married is if someone proposed to me in a hot air balloon. And somehow, he had managed to do that. It's amazing when you meet that right person, the person that finishes your sentences and thinks the same thing at the same time as you, the person that understands what you're thinking just from a moment of eye contact. I can't express how much I wish this kind of relationship for all of my friends and loved ones because I am still in awe of how lucky I am to be living it. We decided to go explore the Mammoth Caves next. After all, nothing is more symbolic of the ups and downs of marriage than going a mile high in the sky and then immediately after a mile underground. The caves were absolutely beautiful. It's amazing the art that the earth creates for us. We followed the caves and the tunnels for at least two hours before exiting and making our way to the car. My fiance has always loved visiting marinas, so he found a body of water on the map and we drove to it. We got out, walked around, and admired all the boats and the scenery, which reminded me a lot of the first time he took me to a marina. That was actually one of the places I first asked him what his intentions with me were. After a little while, we made our way to leave. We were pulling out of the marina when my fiance slams on the brakes of the car, looks me dead in the eyes and says, did you see that? I'm startled and I shake my head and say, no, what? He says to me, it was an otter. We both turn around and look out the back of the car to see a large river otter crossing the road. So not only did I get the world's best marriage proposal, but before the day ended, I still got my otter. The rest of the Nashville trip was amazing. I got to see so much live music and landmark places that I had admired from so far away for so long. When we got home, as any girl would, I began to plan my wedding. 
Our anniversary is May 25th, and I was looking to have a summer wedding. Amongst my planning, I was having a lot of trouble finding a venue when my mom had sent me one that happened to be perfect. It was a venue in St. Joseph's, Michigan, a place that my fiance had taken me to the beach in the beginning of our relationship. We happened to do a photo shoot on the beach and we spent that entire day in town and it was perfect. The venue was this beautiful barn and the only day that they happened to have available was May 25th, our exact three year anniversary. Because we had gotten engaged on October 25th, that meant that we had just under seven months to plan a wedding. The people that know me well, they know I love to plan. I'm creative and planning events is just another way I get to express that and it makes me very happy. <laughs> you guys should have seen some of my dinner parties, but anyway. As the day drew closer, my fiance and I started randomly searching Zillow to see what properties were available out of state. The reason we did this was that after discussing our future in depth because of the wedding coming up, we had come to the decision that there just wasn't a future for us in Illinois. Illinois is a very expensive state to live in. The taxes will kill you. Especially for myself owning two businesses and my husband owning two businesses, despite us making a decent living, there will come a time that we won't be able to work anymore. And once we're at that age, the property taxes alone won't be covered like by things like social security. We wanted to build a future that would be sustainable for us and the family that we someday hope to have. So we started searching out of state just to look around, you know, get an idea of what a decent acreage amount would cost us. We knew that we wanted to be somewhere warm and we had visited Tennessee and Texas both that year. So those were the places that we started our search. It was now April and we were just over a month out from the wedding when my fiance called me downstairs to look at something on his laptop. I come down to see what looks to be Zillow on his computer screen. He had been showing me various properties over the last few weeks, so this was nothing out of the ordinary to me. He begins to tell me how great this property is. It has 80 acres, a four acre pond in the middle, and two houses on the property. These things combined piqued my interest. So I started looking at the photos and the details of the listing. I'm a pretty impulsive person when it comes to low risk adventures. So in less than 10 minutes, I had convinced him to drive down that weekend together and see the property. Somehow, less than six months after visiting Nashville, we found ourselves back in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. The town seemed very desolate. A lot of rundown homes and trailers scattered everywhere, which is not what we're used to, living in a subdivision with a homeowners association and pretty strict zoning laws. Once you get over the fact that, outside city limits in this state, it's kind of the wild, wild west and anything goes. You kind of embrace it. Because the fact that you can't call the city on your neighbor because he has a couch on his lawn, it's the same freedom that means I don't have to pay $25,000 in permits to build my dream home like I would have in Illinois. It's a freedom that highlights your land, your property, and you have the rights to do as you please. And after all, what's not to love about that? 
Eventually, the realtor met us up at the main house and showed us around the property. Within an hour of leaving, we called her back and made an offer. Did I mention I'm impulsive? <laughs> we were under contract on the property within five days of seeing it. Don't let this fool you. The actual process of purchasing this was a nightmare. Ultimately, we got through it, and on the Monday before we were to be married, we were finally told that we were clear to close. We hadn't talked openly with a lot of our friends about this move due to the fact that the transaction had been so difficult. There were still some lingering doubts on whether or not we would actually be able to close this deal. We figured that not talking openly about it would help prevent any disappointment from family or friends if we didn't get it. But after hearing this news, my fiancé and I decided that we would tell everyone at the wedding. We had booked out a large house for our bridal party in Michigan for the weekend of the wedding. So on the night before we got married, we rounded up all of our bridal party to break the news to them first. We told them that we had purchased property in Tennessee and that within two weeks, we would be driving down to close on the property and within two weeks of that, we would be moving to Tennessee. Most of my friends just cried. I felt like I had broken their hearts, but at the same time, my heart swelled because of how much I truly felt people loved me. Sorry. Something that means everything to me. A girl who, for some reason, in the back of her mind, always feels so unlovable. My fiance's friends congratulated him. They asked him about the property and they gave him hugs. Aside from all of the emotion and the shock, the support was overwhelming. These people who loved us also loved seeing us on our way to build something amazing. Our wedding day was perfect. Not in the sense that everything went smoothly, because it didn't. <laughs> the photo booth was broken. Only one photo was actually taken and printed. The bar ran out of liquor despite us paying a very hefty sum for an open bar all night. Don't worry, they did restock it. It was okay. But that day was perfect, in the sense that everyone who was there surrounded us with love and happiness and positivity, and we all had so much fun. I'm not even sure the last time I danced like that. We broke the news quietly to loved ones throughout the night about the move, with the main response being how sad they were to see us go, but how happy they were to see us in this next chapter of our lives and what it held for us. We stretched our wedding day into a weekend, urging everyone to go to brunch with us the next day and spend the following days on the beach enjoying the long Memorial Day weekend. Many of them did, and I can honestly say it was the most fun weekend of my life. However, there is no rest for the wicked, so I went from planning a hundred-person wedding to immediately planning and coordinating a multi-state move with my new husband. Moving across state lines is absolutely horrible. I do not advise it and I do not encourage it for anyone without full knowledge of how much it's going to suck. 
because we had just had a wedding and needed a bunch of money down to close on the property, we were pretty much broke at this point. All the truck rental companies were quoting us upwards of $2,000 for a rental truck, so that was quickly not an option. So instead, we borrowed a friend's tiny 16-foot box truck and tried to cram our 2,200-square-foot house worth of stuff into it. We made three trips back and forth from Tennessee to Chicago with this box truck that could only do 50 miles per hour, and we were in the middle of summer, and this truck had no air conditioning. Somehow, we didn't kill each other. Although I would advise you guys, maybe try this test before getting married, just in case. After that, we borrowed our other friend, who owned a landscaping company, his 27-foot trailer, and packed our remaining belongings in that and made two more trips from Chicago to Tennessee. One of those trips we made, I believe it was in the box truck, we drove straight to Tennessee eight hours, unloaded the truck for two hours, and then turned around and drove straight back to Chicago in the same day. These few weeks of my life were absolute chaos. It was so hard, but it was so worth it. I think that we were a little underprepared for this move, to say the least. I had tried to be prepared. I am always prepared. For instance, I even tried to figure out an internet company that would work with us in the middle of the country before we had even closed on the property. Because whether we like it or not, my husband and I both work completely and 100% dependent on the internet. I thought that I had a good plan sorted out, but once I got here, the company informed me that they wouldn't be able to install internet after all. So we were without internet for the first three months of living in Tennessee. Not an ideal situation for a young newlywed couple trying to get back on their feet financially. I asked my mom to borrow her Wi-Fi hotspot and I used that for webcamming those first couple months until I found a better option for us. It was really hard living here at first. You have no support system, you don't know anyone, and at times it kind of feels like the deck is stacked against you. I think it made my husband and my marriage stronger to go through that right off the bat. It gave us a lot of strength in our relationship, which we already had, but feeling alone together in the middle of this whole new world somehow grows that even more. We have lived now in Tennessee for about 10 months. In that time, we have drastically improved the property, made some friends, and rebuilt our businesses. It certainly has not been easy. And with building a house now, it's not going to get any easier anytime soon. But what keeps us going is knowing that we're building a life that we want to live when so many other people only ever dream of that. I told you at the end of the last episode that we moved to Tennessee not because of what we were running from, but because of what we were searching for. We were searching for a place that would allow us to reach our full potential. We were searching for a place that felt like home in our hearts. We were searching for a place that would help us take care of our loved ones and create a beautiful life for the loved ones that we don't know yet. And I think we found it. 
my one wish for all of you listening is that you get to find your own fairy tale and that you have the courage to write your own happily ever after. I know I did. I'm Melrose, and this has been episode 7 of the Seen and Not Heard podcast. Big thank you this episode to my 12 Patreons. In no particular order, thank you. Renee, Andrew, Reggie, Cruz, Nathan, Tim, Steve, Tom, Seth, Eugene, Scott, and David. My Patreon is the number one way to support me, and it's the only platform that provides 90% of its proceeds to the creator, allowing me the gift to further create things like this podcast. I really hope you guys are enjoying my content so far this month, and I cannot wait for you to see what I have in store for May. Want to be an individual supporter and sponsor for the podcast? All you have to do is go to anchor.fm forward slash Melrose. That's anchor.fm forward slash Melrose and click support the podcast to donate whatever amount you want per month to help fund more episodes like today's. Next week on the Seen and Not Heard podcast. I hate that I'm bringing you on such an emotional roller coaster. I mean, in last week's episode, we talk about this fairy tale romance, wedding, and transition. But to really understand who I am, we should probably talk about the nightmares too. The one when he manipulated me into thinking, because he did this for me, now I have to do that for him. The one where I was blacked out drunk with my friends. Yet, somehow I woke up in a strange place with a person I shouldn't have woken up next to. Or the worst one, after a long night of babysitting, when he came home from a date with his girlfriend and she went into the bedroom, but he stayed up, assaulting me, while she listened over the baby monitors.